Welcome in, everybody. You are locked in on the Philadelphia Eagles. Close the door behind you. Lock it. Let's get into the birds. My name is Louis DiBiase. This is our Wednesday edition of the podcast, August 21st. I'm really excited about this show. In a minute here, coming up in segment two, we are going to have a special guest on. He is the Ravens Wire managing editor and writer on the USA Today Network. It is Matthew Stevens. We're going to go behind enemy lines and get into this Baltimore Ravens team that the Eagles have held two joint practices with this week on Monday and Tuesday, and they take the tune-up regular season game tomorrow night at 7.30 at Lincoln Financial Field. It's a team that I'm very interested in with Lamar Jackson, with guys like Mark Ingram and Justice Hill, Hollywood Brown. You guys know my uh, my fandom of Marquise Brown during the draft process. Gino, not so much. So me and Matt are going to sit down for about a half hour here and preview the game talk about the Ravens the comparisons between the Eagles and the Ravens and uh, get into everything that you need to know before tomorrow's kickoff so let's get into that coming up next right here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast it's Ravens Wire writer and managing editor Matthew Stevens don't go anywhere we'll be right back guys today's podcast is sponsored by DoorDash long day at work tough day at school still stuck at the office treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash your sweatpants are on for the day but you're sick of microwave leftovers and frozen pizza enter DoorDash restaurant quality food with a living room dress code your parents don't pack your lunches anymore but you still need to eat have your favorite restaurants brought to you with DoorDash brown paper bag not included crushing it at work laser focused on beating that boss level that doesn't mean you shouldn't eat DoorDash can help you get your next meal from your favorite restaurants in minutes DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city ordering is easy just open the DoorDash app what you want to eat and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash but there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,000 cities so you might find a new favorite too with door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada order from your local go-to's or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle Wendy's Chick-fil-A and the Cheesecake Factory don't worry about dinner let dinner come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our Lockdown Eagles listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter our promo code LOCKDOWN. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That's $5 off your first order when you download the app from the App Store and enter the promo code LOCKDOWN. Don't forget, that's promo code LOCKDOWN for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. We thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Eagles podcast today. All right, everybody, joining us on this segment of the Lockdown Eagles podcast, getting into now the Baltimore Ravens. We're going to go behind enemy lines as the Eagles take on Baltimore at Lincoln Financial Field tomorrow at 7.30. I'm bringing on Ravens wire writer and managing editor with USA Today. It's Matthew Stevens. Matt, how's it going, man? Welcome to the show. Oh, man, doing great and always happy to be here. So... I'm very high on the Ravens this year, Matt. I'm a big Lamar Jackson guy. I have been really since his early days at Louisville. He's the kind of quarterback I grew up liking in a Michael Vick, mobile quarterbacks like that, electric, also a big arm too. What is the feeling? Because Baltimore, when Lamar took over last year after Flacco went down, they make the playoffs, they go on a big run. What's the feeling here? Bring in Mark Ingram, Justice Hill. Marquise Brown, new weapons for Lamar Jackson, some turnover on defense with Earl Thomas coming in. They lose C.J. Mosley and Zardarius Smith. What is the feeling this year? Do Ravens fans feel like they're ready to take the next step, or is it something more so a wait-and-see game? I feel like the expectations should be high, but what is the sentiment over there? Well, I think it's a bit mixed. It depends on who you ask. And obviously, with a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, you have fans split. 
You know, people are still in the Joe Flacco camp in some instances, mm. and other ones are, are, you know, ride and die with Lamar, man. Let's, let's do it. Uh, so I think it really depends on, on what style that, uh, you know, the, the fans are interested in. But there is some optimism here. I mean, there, there's optimism that you're seeing the offense finally, you know, make it into the, the 20, 20th century, 21st century huh. uh, versus being like the 1950s playbook that we, we've seen for the last 24 years this franchise has existed. Uh, and you have already a, a fantastic defense. Now, some losses, but, you know, all in all, not, not a defense that's expected to drop out of the top 10 or anything like that. So with things kind of starting to shape up a little bit, there's a little bit of optimism on that front. The big question obviously comes down to how much can Lamar Jackson go ahead and grow? How much does that offense around him actually do something? Mm-hmm. Uh, or are we going to start seeing just, you know, first down run, second down run up the middle, third down, try to go ahead and do a dump off like we've seen every year for, for forever here around here. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a mixed bag, man. Obviously, it starts with Lamar Jackson at the quarterback position. Interesting. You said it's kind of split still. Are there? I mean, look, with the Eagles, we kind of know firsthand there are a lot of Nick Foles backers still in Philadelphia after he won the Eagles their franchise's first ever Super Bowl. He's got a statue outside the link. So while they have Carson Wentz, the new, <laughs> young, hopefully budding star that showed that the past couple years before the injuries, at the same time, there's still those Foles guys. So is that the, so interesting? There are still some Flacco guys in Baltimore. Oh, dude, there's a ton of them. There's a ton of them. And, and there's a, a myriad of different reasons why. But, you know, uh, one of the big reasons is ultimately, you know, Lamar Jackson is, is a mobile quarterback. He's a, uh, to be honest with you, a run-first quarterback right now mm-hmm. as a young mobile quarterback, which is literally every mobile quarterback that has ever been in the league has started off as a run-first quarterback. Uh, so th- there shouldn't be any real surprise there. But a lot of people just, they view him as a gimmick, and that's partially because, well, Baltimore used him as a gimmick to start right. last year. Instead of kind of throwing him out there and letting him actually do his thing a little bit more and, and maybe throw the ball a little bit more, you know, they, they put him out there in some weird gimmick formations, and ultimately they didn't really work. So, you know, the, the Ravens didn't help their image of Lamar Jackson any more than, than you know, just naturally what people are going to believe of him anyway. But but yeah, it's it's a mixed bag here when it comes to fans and, and also analysts. I mean, I'll be honest, you're one of the few people that has been like, I'm a Lamar guy from the start. <laughs> uh, usually I have to answer some question about how he's not just a gimmick running back. Yeah. So <laughs> this is kind of a refreshing interview. Yeah, no, I mean, for me, it's just I like starting off with that kind of physical ability, that kind of upside, and then hoping I can coach into the rest of it when it comes to the passing game because I still see the the raw ability even with his passing game. And I I do like what you said about last year, how they really almost – used him as a running back at the quarterback position because, I mean, John Harbaugh is trying to save his job, right? I mean, Baltimore is trying to make the playoffs, mm-hmm. so they're going to, they're not really trying to, no, the number one priority wasn't really about Lamar's development as a complete quarterback. It was more so how can we max him out on the field right now so we can win football games and make sure that we save our jobs. Whereas hopefully this year, at least for me, I'm coming in with a more open mind with Baltimore's offense. Harbaugh even said that, you know, it's going to be different this year. I hope that they really do prioritize turning him into a complete passer because you don't just draft a guy in the first round to be a gimmick unless you're, you know, Tim Tebow with Denver. But going <laughs> going to him as a passer because it's a very mixed bag. There are some people, I know a lot of people that do believe in Lamar Jackson as a passer. They've seen the, the pocket movement. They've seen the arm strength. Sometimes the touch throws are there with Mark 
Mark Andrews down the field in the tight ends last year. But then there's others that just Mm -hmm. are not convinced because he wasn't accurate. You know, he missed John Brown down the field a lot last year. Where are you on the basis of Lamar Jackson as a passer heading into year two? Are you more optimistic here or are you more critical and maybe hesitant to believe that he can develop into this complete quarterback? Well, you know, I I think it's, I actually just wrote an article about this today, oddly enough, um, about how, look, anyone that was expecting Lamar Jackson to come in last year, even this year and be some hall of fame, Peyton Manning or, or Tom Brady is uh, to put it bluntly stupid. They, they're just, they don't know the game of football. They don't know how quarterbacks develop. Not a single quarterback in this league ever has started out great from week one to great at the end of their career. Right. That doesn't happen. They take time to develop and, and it might be something, you know, I certainly understand the the argument of well his mechanics isn't great you know they're they're not they're not fantastic he he doesn't have them committed to muscle memory which you'd want to see out of a first round quarterback but I contend that you took him in the first round you took him with the very last pick because you get five years of him you get right. five years and you're not paying him twenty five million dollars after in the fifth year you're paying him closer to probably fifteen ish sixteen ish. That's what you did. That's what Baltimore did for a very big reason. They could have let him fall into the second round and snatched him up there for a lot less money, but they didn't because they wanted the extra time with him because they knew it was going to take that. However, when you see him on the field, when you see him on the practice field or, or the, the, you know, in, in the stadium, mm. you see those flashes. You see him being able to read a field. You see him be able to lead the huddle. You see him be able to, to develop a, a connection with his guys. You see all the things that you want to see out of a star franchise quarterback, except for necessarily the, the consistency in his mechanics. If that's what we've got to teach him how to do, I mean, as a coach, I want a guy who can blow the doors off everybody else yeah. 95% of the time. That's what you get out of Lamar Jackson. You get a football player who you need to teach and, and just give him those repetitions so that way he follows through, he steps through, he doesn't side on the football. Man, I'll take that all day long. If that's what he has to learn in order to become a great quarterback, I'd much rather have that than than Nathan Peterman who can't read a defense. That's right, Matt. It's you why <laughs> it's why I liked Carson Wentz more than Jared Goff. It's why I liked guys like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson more than a Josh Rosen. Just for me, again, I'll take the upside. I'll take the player that no matter how much talent you have around him, outside of structure, he can still win you football games and he can be the reason, not just someone you win with, but win because. And I see that with Lamar and I can attest to it as an Eagles guy here with Carson Wentz. Wentz, his rookie year had inconsistencies with his mechanics as well. Year two, he really took that step. That has been the one thing about Wentz is the thing he needed to improve on the most was his mechanics and his accuracy. And I feel like over the past three years, he's gotten better year after year. So for me, that's why I'm coming in very optimistic about Lamar Jackson. Year two here throughout the summer, you've digested two preseason games. Have you seen progress in that area from Lamar? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think from OTAs, he was, I'll be honest with you, not much improved from where he was last year Hmm. Uh, to training camp. Dramatically different quarterback. Dramatically different quarterback. Don't know what he did. <laughs> Don't know what videos he watched or who he coached with uh, specifically at that point. But there was a dramatic shift. And, and you're seeing that stuff happen. Now, he's still not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. He still has those inconsistencies. He's still, especially on deep balls, he really needs to get those throws a little bit more under control. Mm-hmm. He likes to go ahead and try to throw them into the stands. But I'd much rather have that than have him loft the ball up and have it be a, you know, an easy pop fly for a safety to catch. So 
you know, there's, there's a little bit of that. But we're, we're seeing him progress as a quarterback, which is exactly what you want to see. When that progress stops, that's when you need to be alarmed. Right. But it's, we're not. We're seeing him continue going forward. 100%. It's finding that balance of touch and power down the field. Again, with Wentz, that's something that he really did not get until I would say, you know, halfway, probably after the first month or two of his second season. Uh, another former Eagles quarterback reminds me a lot of Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson is the most ex- explosive quarterback in the NFL since Michael Vick. One thing about Vick, however, Matt, especially with his tenure in Philadelphia, was he can never stay healthy because he just did not know how to slide feet first and he did not know when to get out of bounds the, the right at the right times. So he would take unnecessary hits. He would take an extra two yards, but take a blow. And I feel like that's very similar to your backup quarterback, RG three in Washington, how it happened with him. Lamar Jackson, he was someone last year that he took a lot of hits running the football. He's got to protect himself better in year two do you see progress in that area? I mean, how confident are you that he is not? Because he's not the biggest guy. He's not Cam Newton where he's 6'6 and 240 plus pounds or Carson Wentz, you know, built like Josh Allen. Are you optimistic that Lamar will fix that part of his game? I think really, you know, mechanics and accuracy, but then protecting himself as a runner are the two biggest, you know, next steps he needs to take this year. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned Wentz, you mentioned uh, Newton, both those guys been injured pretty frequently so it doesn't matter right. how big you build running backs good point i mean Gurley is having his issues every every running back every guy that runs the football it is the single most brutal position on an offensive team and this is a guy who played a little bit of running back as myself uh as well as a little bit of tight end mm-hmm. uh, you know it, it, you get hit on literally every play it doesn't matter what's going on you're getting hit so that stuff that, that creeps up on you pretty fast as far as where Lamar Jackson is developing on that front, I don't think he's any better. Um, I actually I, I, I ripped into him last week for, for running the football like he did uh, you know, against the Green Bay Packers. It's a preseason game. It's great that he was able to go ahead and, and juke and, and jump right. over guys and, and made this Madden-esque looking you know, run that made highlight reels and, and people clicked on. But, man, all it takes is one of them. All it takes is one single one of those runs where he doesn't get out of bounds when he has an option to, and you have a guy that's now hurt for the rest of the year. That yeah. sucks. He needs to learn how to pick his opportunities. Do you need to do that in a preseason team? No, you definitely do not. That's the last thing you want to see out of your starting franchise quarterback uh, in a preseason game is him trying to like truck people in, <laughs> in an open field. Um, it's just, it's, it's a little stupid, but at the same time, again, he's a young quarterback. He's a guy who, throughout his entire career, and that's something I think a lot of people forget, he is a guy who was the fastest guy on the field every single time. He was the best athlete every single time. He's mm-hmm. still kind of learning it. You know what? I'm surrounded by the best athletes from literally every high school in the country. Right. Uh, all these guys are just as good as me. Well, maybe not quite all of them, but there's a lot of guys out there that can match you step for step. There's a lot of guys out there who will, will you know, outweigh you by 20, 30, 40 pounds and can blow you up if you try to go ahead and, and go toe-to-toe with them. So he's still learning that stuff, but at the same time, again, he's a guy who's been able to run touchdowns. I mean, he did it last week. He's been able to go ahead and find success with that, so it's difficult to kind of find that on-off switch on I can find the end zone versus – Uh, maybe I should go ahead and just run for six yards and get out of bounds and then I'll make the play on the next play. 
Yeah, it's really all about picking your spots. And of course, part of it too, you hope that as he develops as a passer, sometimes he will rely more on his weapons down the field. And one of those guys can be rookie receiver out of Oklahoma. First round pick this year, Marquise Brown, a.k.a. Hollywood Brown. A lot of people knew him for his days (laughs) with the Sooners and hooking up with Kyler Murray last year. So you talked about Lamar last year wanting to throw it into the stands with with his power. And him and John Brown never could really get on the same page that Brown and Flacco were on. Now they hope that they can, to me, almost bring back, because Brown and Lamar remind me so much of the 2010 connection of Michael Vick and Deshaun Jackson, almost kind of be that one-two punch. How excited are you for the, I would say, the upside and the promise of that young connection butting into the new duo in Baltimore? So that's a bit of a double-edged sword here in Baltimore. Uh, You know, they have not been very great at, uh, I, let me let me actually rephrase that. They've been downright terrible at selecting wide receivers. Um, huh. I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but you know, over 24 years, they've selected something like eight or nine uh, wide receivers in the first three rounds. You can probably name none of them. Um, and for good reason. Uh, I mean, I remember, I remember the, the, the most successful guy. <laughs> yeah, I remember Brashad Perriman, and that's not for good reasons. <laughs> no, no, exactly. And, and, that, and that's exactly it. So you know, there's, there's hope, there's promise. Uh, Brown, even, even still a little dinged up and trying to work through his, his Liz Frank injury uh, is still ridiculously fast. I mean, ridiculously fast, mm-hmm. but there's that fear of, well, I mean, Bushad Perryman didn't really, didn't play his first season, his rookie season because of injury Then frequently had injuries after that Brown, small guy, he's fast, but he's small and already dinged up a little bit. There's that fear that you're starting to see a little bit of, you know, him swing toward Perryman. So I think fans around here are very much holding off on giving him much of anything until they see that first big play. Once that happens, I think they're going to buy in on him. As far as Brown goes himself, uh, you know, again, I think every player who's drafted in the first round has that ability to become a superstar. Uh, Certainly, uh, you know, any player drafted, period, has, has the ability to become a superstar. But for Brown, he has all the things you want to see. He's got pretty reliable hands. He's got the ridiculous speed. Mm. He's got the agility to take a four-yard pass and turn it into a 74-yard yep. touchdown. That's what you want to see out of an offense like that. That's that's what Baltimore's building around here. The the big question right now is, can he get on the field? Can he stay healthy? Uh, and, and can he develop some chemistry with Lamar Jackson in his first year so that we start seeing him continue forward like we've seen Lamar uh, since last year? Yeah, I'm really excited to see, because I think Brown, like you said, run after the catch ability, he was one of the best in college football last year. He's not just some, you know, running a guy running a streak down the field every single play. He can play in the slot. He, I think, was a pretty good route runner, underratedly so, at Oklahoma. But yeah, it is about staying healthy. It is possible for a guy that size to stay healthy. I mean, Deshaun Jackson has been very healthy throughout his 11 years in the NFL, but Brown already does have a couple injuries that he has been dealing with. But I, I just think there's so much upside with that connection. Let me move over here while we continue. For the game on Thursday, they've been getting ready through joint practices. And they did Monday and Tuesday practice where there wasn't you know live sessions where they're bringing each other to the ground, but there certainly was some physicality with it. It seems like, Matt, that teams, coaches specifically, Doug Peterson's talked about it a lot the past two weeks, how they're really emphasizing getting ready for the season through practice and specifically through joint practices because it's you can control the environment, you can control the situations that you probably can't a lot of the time in the preseason. You get you don't get you don't get game speed, but you get close to it. 
but at the same time, you don't get the risks of Cody Kessler last week getting blindsided off a free rusher and becoming injured, and he's now in concussion protocol, forcing them to go out and find a guy like Josh McCown. Do you like the idea, because Peterson yesterday said he can see the future of the NFL going more so towards these joint practices and less preseason games. Do you like that idea? Where are you at here with practices versus the preseason? Because it seems like this is the path the NFL is going down. They actually, there was an idea uh, just earlier this week that they might consider expanding the playoffs and then reducing the preseason a game or two. What, what is your uh, stance on this situation? Yeah, I completely agree with you on that one. I, I think, you know, it, it, uh, it does seem to be kind of trending that way. A lot more teams are starting to do joint practices uh, every, every preseason. And, and as each preseason every year goes by, we're seeing more and more and more teams adopt that policy of, yeah. you know, let's get together. Let's get on a field together. Let's instead of, one game instead of one hour of total play time let's get these guys out there for for five six seven hours total all over a course of a few days let's let's let them practice together and you know i looked to last week's game for baltimore uh you know mason mason crosby kicking kicking balls out of the back of the end zone awesome well that's kind of useless for for right. trying to figure out who your your kick return is going to be that's great yeah. we know crosby can kick out of the back of the end zone awesome um, you, you're not going to get that in practice. You're going to get a coach going, hey, Crosby, you know, knock that one five yards closer in if you, could, exactly. if you wouldn't mind. I got a guy that I need to see what's going on. Yeah. So, like you said, you get a chance to control those things a little bit more. Now, that being said, is I think you need preseason games. I, I think you know, every year, and I'm sure the Eagles are the same way, there's those guys that shine in practice, that are stacking practices together, just blowing things up, and then they get under the lights and they disappear. That's true. That's going to happen. <laughs> You know, you need to find those guys that can maybe, you know, they do all right in practice, but man, they step up when the crowd's in there. They, they, they find the energy and a lot of players, certainly Baltimore has been, been known for this. A lot of players kind of find themselves in that game action when things are on the line when things matter, uh, when the crowd's getting behind it, they feed off that energy and they become a better player. You still need that a little bit. Do you need four preseason games? Maybe not. I'm sure. I'm sure players uh, would certainly love to not have to play those many that many preseason games. Um, you know, but but that's that's going to be a negotiation point for for both the the NFLPA and the NFL in the next CBA. Is you know how do we go ahead and shift this around so that way owners are making more money, players are getting a little bit more money, and everyone's a lot happier. And of course, the NFL gets to make more money on top of it. And practices seem like the best solution to that, uh, you know, to, to that problem. If it happens, that's great. If not, I, I, it's not going anywhere. We're certainly going to continue seeing teams do this uh, every single week. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think starters necessarily need it, but like you said, I mean, the Eagles got a guy right now in Deshaun Hall, this defensive end that was kind of buried on the death chart last year, and he's coming in this this year and has three sacks in two weeks, and he's someone that now you, you look at it and you're like, wow, this guy could actually be a part of our rotation on defense during the regular season. So I think it is big for the backups, but that's why I like what you said. I think... You know, they don't need four games. I think you got to find that middle ground here. Really prioritize joint practices, but still have a game or two of the preseason to really see what you have with these, you know, the, on the depth of the roster. Because you're right, there are some players that shine during practice, and then suddenly when it comes to the game speed and, you know, the lights shine, they don't come through as much. So it will be interesting to see. It's one of many things that the NFLPA and the NFL will talk about with the new CBA. How much do you think, because... 
I, this year more than ever, I think teams are just punting on the preseason when it comes to starters. I, I mean, you look at the Eagles and Jaguars last week, virtually no starters were playing for either side. Lamar's played a little bit in both games. How much do you think the Ravens first team, I mean, for the Eagles, I don't think a whole lot from the Ravens side. How often do you think the starters will be out on the field tomorrow night? It depends on, on each player. Uh, you know, I know a lot of the starters here in Baltimore are a little dinged up right now, so they're probably going to be held out of this game uh, just as a precaution. Uh, Baltimore has not done well on the injury front over the last five years. So, But as far as Lamar Jackson goes, you know, I, I like Harbaugh's philosophy, which has been our starters are going to play, especially our quarterback, is going to play one quarter every single game, the first quarter. It, what it allows you to do is now you get – four quarters against four different teams to go ahead and build your tape off of mm-hmm. in order to figure out where you need to get better versus, you know, no quarters in the first game, two quarters in the next three quarters in the next one. You, you never really get a chance to actually see what different teams are throwing at you, where maybe guys are having difficulty at. You get to see most of it against one or two teams, which isn't what the preseason's about. It's about trying to find your weaknesses, trying to find your strengths, playing to them and then fixing your weaknesses. So, I like that philosophy a lot more, and I kind of would expect that, that Baltimore is going to put a lot of their main starters out there for probably about a quarter total all, um, and then we're going to start seeing other guys kind of cycle in because Baltimore, for the most part, really knows who their starters are going to be outside of maybe two positions, two, three mm-hmm. positions. Uh, so it's all about the backups for Baltimore. I don't know too much about the Eagles on that front, but uh, my guess is it probably won't be too far off on that either. Yeah, I would say, I mean, they haven't really played – almost anyone. I know Brandon Graham and Malcolm Jenkins played a little bit last week, but overall the starters have not played and week three normally is the tune up game. So I would say they play a little bit, maybe a drive or two. I would be surprised if it isn't an entire quarter for the Eagles, but um, is there a matchup you're looking for between these two teams? For me, during the two joint practices, I loved following the Eagles' weapons versus the Ravens' secondary. It's two strengths of both teams, and they really went at it on Monday and Tuesday. You know, you saw Earl Thomas get the best of Wentz sometimes. Alshon Jeffrey get the best of Thomas. I think that's a fun matchup. Is there another one that maybe you're keeping a close eye on tomorrow night? Actually, you picked the exact one I was looking for. Yeah, that's the I, best one. The secondary. You know, can, the secondary's been beefed up all season. That's the, the part that we've been talking about. You know, now, now there's an injury to Tavon Young, who's not going to play in this one, and his status for the season is is kind of up in question. Uh, but, you know, you brought in Earl Thomas to go ahead and protect that secondary more so than Eric Weddle did. Uh, you have an up-and-coming cornerback in, in Marlon Humphrey. Can he go ahead and shut down some of the better guys in the league, in, in like, a, you know, a, a, a Deshaun Jackson or, you know, Jeffries is another good one can we see the secondary kind of start to play like they're in the regular season? Or do we start seeing some of those same weaknesses? Um, I, I think that's where it's really going to be at in this game. It has the potential for being a high-flying one, which, you know, for preseason, for anyone that's thinking about maybe not showing up for this game, I would. I would. This one's going to be an interesting one, strictly from that battle alone. Uh, outside of that, I really want to see what the offensive line for Baltimore has. There's a lot of question marks there. There's a lot of injuries there. We're probably not going to see most of the starting lineup uh, this week. They need to figure out who their left guard is. That's going to be a big battle for Baltimore in terms of trying to to hold the line uh, in more of a run-oriented offense. 
and they need to figure out that, that left guard situation. So I, that's kind of a battle that I'm really interested in as well to see how well uh, you know, the, the trio of guys that they kind of have tossed out there right now uh, can, can handle the starters. Yeah, that should be a fun one too because the Eagles' second and third units on the defensive front when we're talking about the line, have looked really good. Josh Sweat, Sharif Miller, Deshaun Hall. They trade for Eli Harold last week with the Buffalo Bills. So that should be a good one to watch. I'm also interested to see the other side, Matt. The Eagles' second-team offensive line has been really interesting because they have the former rugby star Jordan Maialata, who they brought in last year, has shown a lot of promise the past two summers. They have first-round pick Andre Dillard this year. And you guys have a rookie in your own right. I mean, you lose Ardarius Smith. How's Jalen Ferguson looked? Jalen Ferguson's really starting to kind of come into his own a little bit. I think when they initially drafted him, you know, there's that thought process of, well, he's not 100% ready. He, he's a guy that maybe, you know, if he starts kind of finding his rhythm, he finds what's going on a little bit better, picks up the speed of the game. Maybe he comes in as a situational pass rusher, but he's really started to, to kind of step up at a position where Baltimore isn't really totally set. I mean, they got Matthew Judon on one side. The other side seems like Pernell McPhee is the guy, but, you know, there's going to be a lot of rotating in and out for all those outside linebackers because it's so thin after losing Zedaria Smith and Terrell Suggs this offseason. So, uh, you know, I'm certainly excited to see if, if, you know, Ferguson can step his game up, especially if he gets a chance to play against a little bit more of the starters uh, or a good solid second team. Man, it'll be interesting to see if he can go ahead and continue to stack games on top of each other and uh, maybe kind of come into his own as a rookie. Last thing for you, Matt, here as we let you go. Matt Stevens talking with us here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast, managing editor and writer for the Ravens Wire. I really like Justice Hill coming out of Oklahoma State. I was very enamored with the running back class this year because I thought the Eagles really needed to finally add a guy that could eventually be your workhorse or just the top back. And even if it's a committee or a smaller rotation, and Hill was someone that tested out really well at the combine. I liked his overall receiving game and running game at Oklahoma State. The Ravens take him. Him. He uh, he's shown some flashes. You brought in Mark Ingram as well, though. I'm very interested to see how your backfield. I mean, from a fantasy perspective too, because they are going to run the football a lot with Lamar Jackson. I'm interested to see this Ingram and Hill dynamic. Of course, you still got Gus Edwards there too, and Dixon. Your running back situation is is very very interesting. Oh, absolutely, and and I uh, fully expect somebody to get traded or uh, a guy to be cut and immediately signed by someone else. I don't think, obviously, Ingram or Hill is going to be that guy. Uh, Really, I'm kind of pointing more toward Dixon as that guy that's probably not going to make this team, uh, but but be a good signing somewhere else. Yeah, this is a great secondary, or excuse me, a great backfield, uh, and and one that they've been kind of developing for the last few years and adding pieces uh, to, to kind of bolster themselves. Hill is a guy that I am extremely high on. Coming into the draft, I was excited about his potential. You know, you, you see enough of his college tape to go, yeah, the guy can, can hit a home run at any time. But what I've been really, really pleased with is I'm seeing a lot of the things that, you know, you, you coach running backs to do. He chops his feet when he, when he makes contact. Most running backs don't do that. Most of them stand still and try to fight through, use their upper bodies. Hill is going ahead and continuously churning those feet and what you're saying is a guy who's not realistically small, he's an undersized running back, who's able to go ahead and, and, and match up one-on-one with a, a linebacker and take him on and, and maybe fight for a few extra yards. In addition to that, he's got the agility to go ahead and juke someone out. He, he's, got, he's got a lot of the things that you want to see. I've gone so high on him that, honestly, I'm calling him the Ravens' next Ray Rice. I think in a year or two, 
He's starting on this team, and he's a 2,000-yard from scrimmage type of guy. I don't disagree with you at all. I, I think that is his upside, and I've kind of said it too. The Ravens almost hope to recreate what the Saints had the last couple of years with Ingram and Kamara, having Justice Hill kind of be <laughs> your new Kamara. So, uh, yeah, definitely someone I'm going to keep an eye out for as a guy in a keeper league. I like my I like my uh, interest in Justice Hill for sure this year in Baltimore. Matthew Stevens joining us on today's edition of Locked and Eagles. You can follow him on Twitter at Matthew S underscore NFL. He is the managing editor and writer for the Ravens Wire. Matt. Two exciting teams this year. I think they're going to be very good in the NFL. Playoff teams in 2018. We share a love of Torrey Smith and Super Bowl champions. And uh, excited for the season of both sides. I'm a big Lamar guy, too. So, I mean, I'm going to be watching a lot of Ravens football this year for sure. Yeah, you know, I, I think we uh, we come from a lot of the similar type of mindsets. Hard-nosed defense, good running, you know, hopefully some big plays down the field. And uh, just exciting football, man. It's it's. It's so nice to be back at that time of the year again. That's right. Yeah, and look, exciting young quarterbacks, too, that I think both cities should be very high on. Absolutely, absolutely. Both uh, two guys that I think are going to make a lot of highlight reels this year, and uh, hopefully, knock on wood, both guys go ahead and step up a lot in this year, and uh, we're able to see what, what they can really do. And, of course, hopefully they both stay healthy. Matthew Stevens joining us. Matt, thanks for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Again, thanks for having me. Uh, I I always appreciate uh, talking football. Today's podcast is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, this isn't just for all of you out there who can't perform. It's for anyone who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Listen up. It's Blue Chew. Blue like the color blue. It's prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package so there's no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, none of that awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our Locked On Eagles listeners, visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code LOCKDOWN. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKDOWN to try it for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Eagles podcast today. All right, everybody, we are back. This is the Lockdown Eagles podcast, Wednesday, August 21st. Thank you so much to Matthew Stevens. Again, Ravens Wire writer and managing editor with USA Today. Some awesome stuff. I hope you enjoyed the Ravens talk, the Eagles talk. It's going to be a fun, exciting matchup tomorrow between two teams that I'm, of course, very enamored with when we talk about the Eagles, duh, but then Baltimore as well because Baltimore has a quarterback in Lamar Jackson that, like I told Matt, I have been high on since his freshman year at Louisville. He was – I just happened to be randomly watching Auburn-Louisville, which was week one in – I want to say, not 2015, I don't know, it was Lamar's first year at Louisville, and he comes in, he was actually the backup, and he came in in the fourth quarter, and Auburn had a lot of expectations, it was the year after Nick Marshall took them to the uh, national championship against Florida State and lost to Jameis Winston, so yeah, it was 2015, and Lamar nearly led a comeback against Auburn, and I actually made on radio up in Buffalo, New York, they asked me for a dark horse Heisman candidate, and I said Lamar Jackson year two, and lo and behold, he ends up winning it. I'll never have that good of a sports call again in my entire career, so I just, I believe in, you guys know, for my loyal listeners, you guys know the kind of quarterback, the kind of player I believe in, and Lamar Jackson is that kind of guy. We talked about it, his mechanics, accuracy down the field has to get better, but I think with the team actually investing in him as a passer this year as opposed to last year with drafting Marquise Brown to make it easier on him with his down the field speed 
And just with a second and third year, the next couple of years under his belt with playing time, you know, again, he didn't start the entire last year. He didn't have the time that a Carson Wentz did to improve gradually over a season or two with his mechanics. And I think that's something you've seen Lamar get better at in the summer. And I think it's something you'll see him get better at in year two. I think the comparisons between Lamar and Wentz are very interesting. And I think that Lamar could take a similar path to Wentz. It wouldn't be surprising to me at all if he's someone that is your Pat Mahomes of last year or your Wentz of 2017, if he takes over the league this year, because I wrote about it on 97.3 ESPN a couple days ago. Michael Vick did that. He broke the league in 2010. Everyone would always say, man, if Vick just could, could just put it together as a passer, if he could put Atlanta Falcons Vick with that mobility, that explosive playmaking ability, and take that arm strength that he had and put it all together with accuracy as a complete quarterback, he would break the league. And for one year, he did in 2010. Lamar has the opportunity to do that for the entirety of his career if he can figure that out now. So the uh, the similarities to Wentz's career path, to Michael Vick, and you look at Lamar and Marquise Brown, that similar connection with Vick and Deshaun Jackson. The Baltimore Ravens are an interesting team from an Eagles perspective as well, and I think they're certainly going to compete in the AFC this year, and it'll be fun. It'll be a good test tomorrow for the first team on both the offensive and defensive side, but also the second team units as well. I liked what he said. They're trying to figure out what they have on the interior of the offensive line. The Eagles are trying to figure out what they have up front on the defensive line with Sweat, Miller, and Deshaun Hall, and you know Tim Jernigan, Ridgeway, Trayvon Hester, that'll be a fun battle. It's going to be the more entertaining preseason game of the four, for sure. Tomorrow, kickoff at 7.30. So again, thank you to Matthew Stevens for joining us of the Ravens Wire. I'm Louis DiBiase signing off. We'll be back tomorrow. Me and Gino will recap Ravens-Eagles. And then, uh, yeah, we got one more show to wrap up the weekend, and we'll be back next week. One more week of preseason football. And then we get to talk about a real regular season game between the Eagles and the Washington Redskins. Please subscribe to the show so you get four to five podcasts a week into your phone or on LockdownEagles.com on your desktop. And, of course, the conversation continues on Twitter at LockdownBirds, at DiBiaseLOE, and at Gino underscore LOE. That's going to do it, as always. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And let's go, Birds.